This is Educated and Empowered. guys it's Tenille Jackson coming to you again um, and today what I want to talk about is really going to be uh, important for my writers whether you are uh, just one who likes to write a freelance writer or even an author aspiring author a, well I won't even say seasoned because I'm praying that my seasoned authors already know what I'm about to discuss as today's topic is editing is not an option. Um, I wanted to bring this today, being a coach, a literary coach, one who helps individuals with writing. This is probably one of the most important topics that I discuss on a regular basis. This is a topic I just, uh, I was a speaker at at a writing conference earlier this year um, here in Chicago. And this is a topic that I cannot talk enough about. Editing is not an option. And this really, so for those who are listening to this broadcast, you may want to share it with anyone that you know who is either, again, any of those writers that I named, whether you're a freelance writer or author. So whereas, you know, anybody who writes, you may just write because you like it. So editing this topic may not be um, specifically for you because you're not being paid, right? So like if you simply like to write, you just do this in your spare time, nobody is going to read it, then maybe you might not find it as applicable. Um, but for those who get paid for your writing, I don't care in what capacity, again, if you're a freelance writer, if you're an author, if you write ad copy for other businesses, then this broadcast is one that you definitely, this podcast is something that you definitely want to tune in for. And so when we're talking about editing is not an option, many times writers, specifically um, authors for books, so new aspiring authors, people, this is their first time writing a book and they don't uh, they don't understand really even the entire process, right? Because a lot of times, um, there are people who don't really give as much honor to what it means to be being an author as it needs to be, right? Because the fact is that writing is actually a craft in it, and it's all right. Uh, being an being an author, being a writer, this is something that you should take seriously, whether or not you do. And so, understanding that it's just like how when we were in English class, right? When you were younger, you were in English class, and people, your teachers would say, "Hey, this is your first draft." So many people, I know you probably like dread it. <laughs> you dread it going to English class because you knew that you were going to have an assignment, right? And so, you know, we had to turn in a thousand words, which typically is about four pages 
pages. So you had to turn in a thousand word essay. And your teacher would say those two dreaded words. This is your first draft. And so that already kind of planted in you the fact that there would be other drafts thereafter, right? Explaining it, labeling it the first draft gave you to know that nine out of 10 times, this is not going to be 100% the first time around understand that something is going to need to be corrected, added, adjusted, edited, changed in some type of manner, right? And for whatever reason, when we were in grammar school and even high school, we understood this and it didn't really um, affect us. We, we, we just understood that it was a part of the process. We didn't have that sense of arrogance to believe that whatever it was that we were writing was just going to be perfect the first time around. So it was no problem. All right. Well, I know that this is my first draft, so I know I probably made some mistakes. I know it's probably some runoff sentences i know it's probably some words that's not spelled properly the punctuation is probably off we understood that when we were in grammar school and high school and i'll even go so far as to say in college right but for whatever reason once we get to writing at a professional level and this is the level when it actually matters because other people are going to be reading what you write right because Un unlike what our cliche says that when it says don't judge a book by its cover in the writing industry that's exactly what people judge us by they judge us by the cover they the front and the back so it's not just oh is it a pretty picture they're looking at the back did you spell everything correctly being an editor i am so saddened to say that i have seen many book covers where the title is misspelled right that is so sad the title itself is misspelled or you look at the back of the book and you're looking at the synopsis and there are words misspelled in the synopsis and so for many people if you don't even get the cover right that's gonna then discourage me from wanting to open the book and go further if you have pages just on your front or back cover then it's gonna make me say is this really gonna be worth my time effort and energy as a reader and so uh, on today i want to kind of talk about again why editing isn't an option and what you can do as a writer if you find yourself in need of an editor right so okay so when we're talking about writing a lot of times especially like with my self-published authors they'll have the erroneous conception to say well since i'm going to publish it myself then i don't really need anybody to look it over for me because I have Microsoft Word and so I'm using Grammarly and I'm using spell check. And please, again, let me tell you that that is such the wrong way to think. Maybe as, you know, just a basic copy edit, if you're looking for assistance, then, you know, when you're doing your final run through, then yeah, you can use those tools just to make sure you know, just as a, as a final effort, once it's already passed through some drafts. But again, 
understand that this concept of first draft and second draft, it is not simply for children. It is not simply for, you know, in an educational or academic setting. When you are writing, you have to make sure that you are not conceited enough to believe that you won't need another go round, right? You don't want to believe that, okay, well, this is going to be perfect the first time that I write it. Because here's one of the main, the most important things to remember. Most people write the way that they speak. And in many cases, that is not a good thing, especially in today's world where we have learned all the shorthand ways of doing everything. When you write out an email, it used to be a time where there was a such thing as protocol and etiquette when we were have you know, in different writing atmospheres so that if I was texting someone, my text would not resemble an email. It used to be understood that an email, especially depending on the recipient, an email is for a more important, a more professional recipient. And so I'm not going to use LOL and emojis and different things in a professional email the way that I would in a personal text. But in today's time, Tone has really, really changed um, because now that the fact that social media is so much a part of what we do and the fact that when you go to your social media platforms that they incorporate emojis, then for a lot of people, especially younger generations who may not have had to go through um, the, the steps that we did when we when I was in, in school, when I was learning, we when we were coming up, we were learning about writing. We had to we had to know about how to writing cursive we had to know how to write and address letters because we used to send actual letters so you knew how to address an envelope you knew how to you know all of those different things writing cursive read cursive you understood when someone said sign your name you understood what that meant so it's an entirely different generation now because not only in many schools are they not even teaching handwriting they're not teaching you you know whether you're talking about penmanship or how to write in cursive or anything like that not only are they not teaching those basic things but they don't teach professionalism as it pertains to writing so that many times you don't get it and then like I say even now with social media because you have Facebook and even LinkedIn that's supposed to be a business platform a professional platform all of these social media platforms are also including emojis so therefore um, the, the, those who are using it believe that they are proper and whereas they have a place when you are talking about writing a book and again, depending on the content of your book, it may not be appropriate when uh, social media has become a way of life and, you know, shorthand has become appropriate. You know, so many times and I, I tell my children a lot that you need to know the actual long handed version of what you're writing. Like don't I understand that you put LOL. I understand that you put BRB. I understand you do all of these things, but you should also know the longhand version of it 
Because again, I say it is not always appropriate to use shorthand, but let's keep going. So when we're talking about why writing it, I mean, why editing is not an option, you have to understand that again, as I said, most people nowadays, they write the way they speak. So that means that if I write Oh, I'm sorry. That means if I speak improperly, so if I speak using a lot of slang, then that means that my writing is going to be a reflection of that. So that even if you're writing, you know, in some cases that not may not be the worst thing. So say if you're a fiction writer and there's a lot of dialogue between characters, you know, depending on what the relationship is between the characters, that may actually be appropriate. But let's say if you are a nonfiction writer and you're writing some self-help tips, some things that you can do for this, that, or third, that is not going to be appropriate. So again, knowing tone, knowing place, um, knowing, you know, how to go about doing certain things that is very critical when you are writing. And so all of that is necessary. When is it appropriate? Is there a time where it's appropriate within your text to use slang, to use shorthand? You need to know that, right? And a lot of times these are not things, if you are a first time writer, these are not things that you are just naturally going to know. And also, again, this isn't just for book authors, but also if you're a freelance writer and you're writing in a magazine, you want to make sure that you know the tone of the publication. So you want to make sure that you've read some articles to see their style, their structure, what it is that they find to be acceptable. Because if you turn in some things to them that's against their writing style, and I don't just mean in terms of MLA format or APA format, I mean just the actual way that you structure your writing. These are things, these are reasons why you may not be considered. You may be, you know, like trying to pitch saying, Hey, I have an article that I think that would be good. And then they deny it. They never respond to you. And so because they don't respond, you don't know the reason why. Well, it's a good chance, depending on the way that the article was written, if it was not in compliance with the way that they normally form or formulate their different articles, then that might be the reason why. If it didn't look professional, that may be the reason why. And so you have to understand that these are some of the reasons why editing is not an option. And then you also want to make sure that you get that editing is a professional <laughs> it's a professional art so this is not just something when we say editing when i'm talking about editing i don't simply mean um just where it's like have a second set of eyes look over it or read through it that's what we call proofreading so i'm gonna pause for a quick second well you know what no i'm sorry that's what we call proofreading. And so those are two totally different things. So I want to, again, thank you all for tuning in uh, for editing and the reason why editing is not an option. So what I was saying before was that there's a difference between editing and proofreading. So typically what happens is 
a proofreader can kind of be, I, I, I want to, I don't want to be disrespectful to the art, but I'll say you can have more leniency as to who proofreads. So you can get your mother, your brother, you know, your next door neighbor to just kind of read through what you wrote to see what do they think about it, right? So typically proofreaders, they're just kind of going through and they're seeing, do they like what you wrote? Do they like the finished product? And sometimes we'll call them beta readers, right? So they're just kind of going through it, making sure there's no blatant errors in it. And then they can even give you feedback, okay? But this is not, so a proofreader is not what you want uh, as the final run through. The proofreader, if you're going to use them as a beta reader, so beta readers, again, what they're doing is they're just kind of telling you conceptually, do they like what you're doing with your art? Do they like where you're going? Do they like the story? Is it fluid? Um, did it, did it catch their attention? That's what beta readers do. So they're not, their job is not to actually judge your paper from a grammatical point of view. They're simply looking at the storyline. Could they follow it? Did they like it? Was it an interesting story? Was it a good read? Okay. When you're looking at a proofreader, again, they're a little bit more advanced than a beta reader um, because they're able to like look at your story holistically. And then they may be able to catch, hey, you know what? It, you, you had a run on sentence there. You know what? You didn't spell this right. Okay. So a, a proofreader could be like a basic copy editor. But what you really need at the very least, at a bare minimum, you need a copy editor. Um, and the reason why most people will say they don't need an editor is because you only look at an editor as being a copy editor. Most people don't know that there are different levels of editing, right? So you have your copy editor, your line editor, your developmental or structural editor, okay? And they all have different jobs. They kind of work hand in hand, um, but and, and it depends on the, the jobs that each of them do would determine why you would incorporate either and when you would incorporate them, right? So it's very important to be able to know the differences between all of the different types of editors that there are. So let me just go over really quickly. So your copy editor is most likened unto the reason why you would use a, a spell check or a Grammarly. So that's going to be the one who can go through, who's going to be able to say, Hey, this was a run on sentence. Let's correct the run on sentence. Let's make sure you have a subject verb agreement. Let's make sure punctuation was used properly. Let's make sure words were spelled properly. Right. And then also understand that there's a difference between spelling words correctly and using the right uh, spelling of the word. Okay. So let me give you an example of the difference between the two. Now, typically your grammarlies or your spell checks, they're going to just check to make sure that you spelled the word correctly. So that if I say there it is, then if I spell it T H E I R, guess what? Spell check isn't going to check that. They're not going to catch it. Why? Because T-H-E-I-R is actually a word and you spelled it correctly there. However, 
that is the wrong spelling of that word in that um, in that example. So if I say there it is, the there that I should be looking for is T-H-E-R-E, right? So you have to, and so this is one of the reasons why an actual person would be better in this case than a Grammarly or a spell check because people will look and they'll say beyond did they spell the word correctly? They're going to say, did they use the proper spelling of the word? So, and they're in the English language. There are so many examples, whether you're talking about there or here or you, or, um, I, I mean, it's so, it's so many of them that, that comes to mind. And so the problem is that when you don't think that way and when you're not open for a second or third draft, when you feel that your first draft is your final draft, then you close off yourself from being corrected. And so because you run it through that Grammarly or you run it through that spell check and because they came back with zero errors or the errors they came back with, you corrected those and you think, okay, now that's it. Then you end up kind of putting yourself in a bad predicament because you don't know how many other mistakes there may actually be which will then kind of elevate us to a line editor. So with a line editor, they're literally going line by line to make sure that everything um, is connected, right? They want to make sure that the words that you're using are right. They want to make sure that the subject verb agreement is there. You know, a lot of times what messes up many people is uh, you when you incorporate a prepositional phrase before or right after a subject and then you don't know what the agreement is supposed to be right so you can say um every oh my goodness every one of those tables is pink right most people would say no you just messed up because you, it should be tables are pink right but the problem is I said every one of those tables, of those tables is a prepositional phrase. So therefore that we're not looking at the subject in the prepositional phrase. We're looking at the subject prior to the prepositional phrase, which means that we are trying to get the right verb to match with one, which is singular. So not tables, which is plural. So all these things, if you are not naturally good with English, these are, are going to be things that many times your basic, uh, your copy editors and even your spell check, they're not really going to pick them up because it's not what they are trained to look for. Okay. So again, depending on who your audience is, if who it is that you're selling to, if this is going to be a more educated group of people, you want to make sure that, and, and you know what, I, I, was, I won't even say that. Let me take that back. You don't know who your book or, or your article, who's going to get it. Understand that it is a reflection of you. So you always want to try to uh, ensure that you're putting out your best work at all times. And so the line editor, and even more important than that, 
is the developmental editor, right? So the developmental editor, this is the person also known as the structural editor. This is the person who's going to help you to do exactly what the name says, develop your story, structure your story. Um, so many times, you know, you can, uh, you'll start writing something and, and this is especially true for authors. Um, when you start writing your book, you may have started writing your book, say in February, and then you step away from your book a few days, few weeks, maybe even a few months. And a lot of times what will happen is authors don't tend to go back to reread what they written up to the point that they stopped, right? They'll just say, oh yeah, because I, I basically know what I'm writing about. And then they will just pick up and they'll start, they'll continue the story. Problem is, there are times when authors may forget what was my character's name. They didn't remember that her name was Susie. So for chapters one, two, and three, she was Susie. When you resume writing chapter four, now she's turned to Janet. And so guess what? Now your your, your readers are confused because they don't know who it is that you're talking about. Developmental editors, one of their main jobs is to make sure that the text is consistent and fluid throughout right they want to make sure that whatever it is if, if if it started out in chapter one and you had a blue couch and a, a pink pillow then in chapter five the couch is still blue the pillow is still pink right and so even though those things may sound really simple the concept is still the same because there are more you know complicated issues where if you are writing something if you're writing a story and if you have say multiple couples right you have multiple couples if you start mixing up names then that mixes up storylines think of any books that you've read that had or even for those of you who say maybe i don't read books but for those of you maybe you've you've watched a movie and think about the the uh movies the storylines that you've read where there were multiple couples right what would happen if I confuse, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of a movie. So like, with, why did I get married? Right. With why did I get married? What was it? Was it three couples or I want to say it was three or four couples, um, in that movie. So could you imagine if there was not a developmental editor to make sure that the couple's the names of the couples stay straight because if you have four couples and then if I start mixing up the names, then what, what, um, what ends up happening is that now I'm confusing my readers because my readers are like, what in the world? Wait a minute. Was it who just, I thought that this person is the one that didn't have the kids, but now I done switched up the names. So now I done, I done confused my audience. So it's not just with books or magazine articles where you need these developmental editors, right? And this is why I said in the beginning, any time where you have uh, writing that's done where other people have to be incorporated in the mix, you want to make sure that you have somebody else going behind you to check to make sure that your text is remaining fluid at all times and so um in either case this is what the developmental editor does they're going to make sure the storyline doesn't have holes right because again remember in the beginning how i said that 
no, uh, most people tend to talk the way, oh, I'm sorry, that they tend to write the way that they speak. So what will happen is you're writing, whether you're writing or typing or whatever, and you may think that you wrote something because you're going so fast trying to type it, try, try, trying to type it or write it or whatever. So you may think that that thing is on the page. And guess what? It's not there. In your mind, you, you were thinking about it. You thought you wrote it. You just never actually got around to writing it down for real. And so when you have somebody come behind you, they'll be able to catch it. They'll be able to see. And they'll ask you, hey, why why, why did this didn't happen? Or why this person didn't do this? Or why, why should a person go to this next step? Because these are things that you thought that you included. You meant to include. However, you never got around to doing it. And so, or, or it'll be things that maybe you did write exactly what you thought, right? You did write it exactly what you thought you wrote. But the only problem is that you didn't write enough of it. So you may have just wrote something. You wrote the concept. You wrote the idea. You wrote what you felt was support. However, that developmental editor is going to say, you know what? It would make it a lot better if you did this, if you said this, if you brought this out, if you introduced this, right? So they're going to fill in all of those holes. You may start out writing a story saying, saying, you know, when I was six years old, I went through whatever it was. I experienced or I witnessed whatever it was, right? And then next thing you know, you simply list whatever it is. So let's just go through an example. When I was six years old, um, I was kidnapped from grammar school. And then next thing you know, because that wasn't your main topic that you want to focus on in the book, you end up jumping so now you're in high school and the developmental editor is like, hold on, wait a minute. I need you to come back. I need you to go back and explain this to us because we're not understanding this. Like now you've left all of these holes for your readers. They want to know what happened at six. Because why bring it up if you're not going to fill it in, right? So in either case, I hope that you all are kind of understanding um, why it is that editing is not an option. If you are really looking to get the most from your work, then you want to make sure that you do hire an editor. Understand that it is only to help your work. Having an editor is just to make sure that you are putting out the highest um, quality of writing, that you are um, putting out the best possible product. So it's just in your best interest that you would hire an editor because you don't want for people to think less of you and your writing. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode entitled Editing is Not an Option, where I explain why it is necessary to incorporate an editor in your writing process. If you want to know why it is people choose not to hire an editor, as well as the various types of editors that exist, then subscribe to my podcast, Educated and Empowered. For only $3.99 a month, 
you'll be able to gain access to this exclusive content as well as a lot of other episodes that I've already recorded just for my subscribers. So connect with me here as a subscriber or you can reach out to the various social media platforms to connect with me, whether Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, or Wisdom, you can find me at my name is Tanil. Or you can visit my website if you want to contact me, you want a consultation, or would like for me to be your life or literary coach, you can go to that website, which is my name is Tanil.com. That's my name is T-O-N-E-A-L.com. Thanks so much, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.